Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to the Feathered Desert. Uh, Today we're going to talk about creative expression in birds of the southwest. So when scientists look for creativity in birds, it's along the idea of innovation, birds using their strengths to adapt and survive to the habitat they call home. I wanted to look at creativity in a different way, through the artist and the art. So I chose nest building and bird song to help highlight the insight into into nature's, the bird's creativity and into their learning process. So let's look at nest building first, and Kirsten's got the first subject. All right, so if you guys have listened to some of our podcasts before, you know that the cactus wren is incredibly unique with their construction of nests. And I didn't know this one until we started doing this. The cactus wren actually has its own unique way of designing a nest along with choosing unique nesting material. Instead of using twigs and grasses to build its nest, the cactus wren builds her nest with cactus spines. I didn't know that the female actually made the nest that they use. Yeah, I was surprised too. Yes. So the female cactus wren uses up to 1,000 prickly spines to build the orb-shaped nest that she will lay her eggs in. I think that's actually pretty, pretty, pretty smart. And then she will actually line it with soft plant material, feathers, and animal hair and grasses. Of course, who wants to put their bum on a spine? So, <laughs> Well, think of it. She's got a... When you think of that, though, she has to lay it in a way where it's not prickly on the inside. Right, right. And that makes a whole lot of sense. So the male cactus wren, which is what we've talked about before, builds the same type of nest, but his nests are built to distract predators from the nest that they're using to raise the eggs in. So they are decoy nests. These large wrens are pretty OCD about snakes. I can totally understand why. This is why they build nests in cactus using cactus spines. So yes, it is smart. It is incredibly smart. And it is innovative. But if you've ever watched them, or if you ever have the chance to watch a cactus wren, take some time out of your day and do it, and watch her build her nest, you're going to see her making choices about placement how tall it's going to be, how wide it will be, take the prickly spines facing out, not in, and then choosing the materials to line her nest. It's got to be all just the right ones for comfort and pleasure. And the spiny orbs are truly worthy of being called art. Yes. So, yeah, it's not, it's not, it may not, we don't know this, but it may not actually just be about usefulness. It may also be about aesthetics for them, too. Yes, that's what I was thinking. And it's not instinctive. Yeah. Younger birds have to watch older birds to learn how to do that. So they're learning how to do it probably successfully. Right. Better to watch and learn than just jump out and try it yourself. Yeah. And so that's all part of the growing up process before you even establish a family. Yeah. So So there's so much more going on. Yes. So two more. We have two more examples. And so have you ever come across a hummingbird nest, or better yet, watch a female hummingbird build her nest, finding just the right place, not too hot, not too cold, not too, not too high in a traffic area, but with a fairly direct line to flight in and out, because we just know how they are. Right. 
She carefully picks the spider web material, collecting plant material, lynching, and such to weave together a wonder of nature that stretches as her babies grow. The decisions the little female hummingbird makes not only provides her with comfort, but it is camouflaged and neatly tucked away in a neatly tucked away work of craftsmanship. And Kirsten has an interesting antidote to add to that. Yes. Actually, it's probably fact, not antidote. Yes, it is a fact, actually. And since we're talking about art, and through the artist's eye, each species of hummingbird actually makes their nest in the color that they are. So like a rufous versus um, an anna's, their nests will be colored based on what color they have on their own body. So the materials that they're pooking, pick that they're pooking, not that they're pooking, the materials <laughs> that they're picking <laughs> will look the same color as the feathers on their own bodies. And that's just really interesting. It is because we were talking about this earlier. It opens up the window of that they're aware of what they look yeah. like. Yeah. And then it does beg the question, why exactly are you doing that? I it could be yes. for camouflage reasons. It could be for maybe help you identify a nest of a different species. Um, I don't know, but it's really... It could be that they just like their colors. Exactly. It could be fashion. (laughs) They just like to look the same. That fits Uh, into the hummingbird. Yes. um, And I just thought that was really fascinating. And it it rolls right in with the the whole art through, uh, or a bird's nest through the artist's eye. Yes. And so then uh, my next example is bald eagles. So bald eagles build a nest together. A pair's nest can be up to 13 feet deep and eight and a half feet wide. And it can weigh about 1.1 tons. That's a lot of weight. That's a lot of sticks. Mm -hmm. The nest sites typically include at least one perch with a view. Of course, you have to have a view. Yes. One of you of the water where they forage. Eagle nests are constructed with large sticks and may be lined with moss, grass, plant stalks, lichens, lichens, lichens? It's actually called lichen. Lichen, sorry. That's okay. Seaweed <laughs> or sod. Now, eagles add greenery for their viewing pleasure. This is actually a scientific fact based on the different views' artistic tastes. That's so interesting. It's generally the females. So the male brings greenery to her. And if she likes it, she'll add it. Oh. If she doesn't like it, he has to go find another piece. That's his way of helping with the nesting process. Nice. I wonder if anybody has done a study on what they like best. Like, is it like all bald eagles like honeysuckle? <laughs> or is it all individual? Like each bird that's, is a different that's choice. That's interesting because the, um, the little tidbit that I found about eagles' nests when they mentioned this, it's generally the female's pre- preference and her familiarity with the with what's around her so that even opens up the door that she's aware of the different plants yeah that's very cool so i don't know if smell or flowers or any of that takes into play yeah goes into play interesting so both se- so it's based on the different birds' artistic taste. So both sexes bring males to this nest, but the female does not does most of the placement and selecting as they work together, weaving their chosen sticks in with the grasses and sod to fill in the cracks because you don't want your baby eagles to fall. No, no, to fall through the hole. All of this sounds practical, but again, if you watch the them build their nest, there is a definite decision-making process about what goes where, how it fits, 
And who knows? It could be like rearranging furniture in the living room for us. Yep. And I have watched them. You can see those video cams. And this is actually yeah. what gave me the idea, is that they were adding sticks and the male would bring the twigs in and the female is putting them if she didn't like it she threw it out yeah she just tossed it so what's what's in that process yeah it's very interesting i i don't know how we would figure out exactly a scientific experiment if we could do it and figure out exactly what is making her determine i like it here i don't like it here i like this size i don't like that size be interesting. The only um, scientific um, experiments that they've done with birds and uh, creative expression has been the bowerbirds. That's true. So I actually just took that information and tried to roll it into birds of the southwest. So, you know, to fit it in like that. Yeah. Because the bowerbirds are very color selective yes and for those of you wondering what a bowerbird is we'll we'll leave a little link in our show notes but they're an interesting bird that makes extremely intricate nests and uses colored things that they find in the wild whether it's a berry or even a piece of glass a piece of plastic and they line it all up in front of their little house and that's how they attract females and each bowerbird um the different species like different colors Mm -hmm. and individuals sometimes even like different colors yeah and it's it's really interesting. So we'll leave a link to for you guys to learn some more about bowerbirds yes. if you like. So all next right. So is, next is bird song. Yes, bird strong. So bird strong, bird strong. My goodness, today I need a lot more tea. Bird <laughs> song is a structured form of expression. We've talked a little bit about it in some of our other other podcasts, and it's similar to writing a poem, or even more directly, composing a song. It is song. So most species have a characteristic song that they learn from their fathers early in life. Young birds imitate sounds when their synapses are still malleable, kind of like when a human child is in that babbling stage. Um, Birds will do the same thing. So it depends on what their fathers are singing when they are young and they hear them when they're in the nest. Northern mockingbirds are the bird that has been most studied by scientists when it comes to bird song. And actually, before the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918, the northern mockingbird was on its way to becoming extinct because males were being caught up and then kept in cages in people's houses because of their gift of song. And each northern mockingbird's song is different because it depends on not just what their father is singing, but other birds that they hear throughout their young life. And they have found as they are growing older, Northern mockingbirds never stop learning. So their little pathways are malleable through their whole life. Yeah. I just found that so interesting. Oh, my gosh. It's beyond interesting. So the northern mockingbirds are actually able to produce up to 200 different calls. Their songs are composed of phrases that repeat two to six times before shifting to a new series of phrases. With some songs going on for 20 seconds or more. And they actually add the new sounds to repertoires, as I just said, throughout their entire lives. Very interesting. So both male and female mockingbirds do sing, which is also something that also throws for a little bit of a loop as well. Um, They mimic the sounds of birds, frogs, and other sounds they hear around them. They have been known to mimic birds such as red-tailed hawks, blue jays, certain types of sparrows, red-winged blackbird, red-winged blackbirds, orioles, killdeer, and woodpeckers. What I find out of those, those are all the birds that are 
very distinctive. Yes. They're very ear-catching. Yes. And that's, all of those are like that. Um, the Mockingbird actually picks and chooses what phrases or sounds it's going to use, learn, and repeat. But they don't, scientists, we don't really know what about the male Mockingbird song is the most appealing to a female when she answers the male. Yeah, so we're the mystery. Yes. <laughs> we don't really know what it is that they're doing. Some, some stuff that I have seen indicates that the more birds that he can repeat, the more attractive he is to a female. But if you have a bird that does 200 songs and another bird that does 200 songs, how does she pick between those two? Is it because he's choosing a more complicated song, like um, the red-winged blackbird? That's a very complicated song. Or is it because he's choosing something, I don't know, like um, the red-tailed hawk, which is a completely different type of bird outside of a songbird? So it may just be her preference, yep. which we can't ask her. No. So that's what the mystery is. Yeah. I would love to find out more about that, but um, we'll just have to wait and see what people come up with. So unmated males are actually the most insistent singers. Um, well, of course, because they're trying to get a lady. Um, the ability to sing well actually proves critical as the young birds mature and as females choose mates based on the quality of the song. So practice does make perfect. Mm -hmm. And young mockingbirds carry on all day and late into the night, especially on full moons. And talking about birds that repeat song, actually here in the Southwest, we do have the Northern Mockingbird, but we also have the Curved-Billed Thrasher, yes. who's yeah. also a mimic. He's also a mimic. Yeah, yes. and he will pick up different songs like this as well, but not as much research has been done on them. That, that's true. I couldn't find a whole lot on them. Yeah. And they have their own pretty song. They do. That's a, something different from the Northern Mockingbird yes. versus the Curved-Billed Thrasher is that they have their own song that they learn when they're young and probably improve on as they get older. And then they will pick up other uh, birds' song as well to add in there. So those of you out at ASU um, studying ornithology, yeah. maybe someone should do a study about uh, Curved-Billed Thrashers. Yeah, maybe he mimics the cactus wren, his nemesis yeah. slash neighbor. Yeah. Or the Gila woodpecker. Yes. Because those would be... Um, birds that he would hear a lot. Yeah, and that would be very interesting to find out if they have the same malleability with their brain that the northern mockingbird does. Yeah, or they live amongst other thrashers. We have a lot of thrashers here. Yes, like the, um, the different types, different, different species types, of thrashers. Different yeah. species. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they interchange. And all the thrashers that I am aware of throughout North America are all mimickers. So they all have a little bit of their own song, but then they mimic everybody else. And so that's interesting. We should study some thrashers people out there looking for, <laughs> yeah. looking for stuff to do looking in college. Looking for something to do, <laughs> yes. So many of our Southwest birds, as we were just talking about, are not um, just su superb at surviving in our desert, but in their own right, they are truly artists using the gifts and materials nature provides to make the desert um, we share together that much more artful. 